Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I never know how to start these things. You don't. I you don't. do like five takes before. <laughs> We're just going at this one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike. On Twitter and Instagram at Mike Distro, have a really great episode for you guys today. I'm going to be talking to director John Lee Hancock, who directed The Little Things. He's also done The Blind Side, which you love, right? I did love The Blind Side, and he also did The Rookie. He has, has his name's John Hancock. Yeah, John Lee Hancock. Isn't that what you say when somebody? You're John Hancock. Your John signature. Hancock. That's yes, what I was saying. That's his name. Yeah. I was just saying the coincidence. Oh, I, I thought I got his name wrong. wrong. Yes, no. his name is John Lee Hancock. We'll talk to him about that movie, The Blind Side. Basically, just what it's like to be a director on a big Hollywood movie. Kelsey, you're here to co-host the podcast. And also, when we talk about the movie Without Remorse with Michael B. Jordan, we'll talk about the new Marvel lineup that came out. A lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I actually, um, I just updated my Instagram bio to read unofficial co-host and unpaid intern of the Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I would just like the unpaid intern part to stand out. <laughs> okay. Because I do sometimes find you stories and send them. You do. You do send in movie news. You know, it was like a third job between my full-time <laughs> job and grad school. So I just, I wanted to put that out there that I am the unofficial co-host. All right. Well, we'll get all that in this episode there we go and you also help me out when i can't speak yes which is often all right well without any further ado let's get started in a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast a man with so much movie knowledge he's basically like a walking imdb with glasses from the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. About to talk to director John Lee Hancock, who you probably know a lot of his movies. He's directed The Blind Side, The Rookie, Saving Mr. Banks, The Founder, The Alamo, The Highwaymen, and most recently directed a movie called The Little Things, which I have talked about on the podcast, starring Denzel Washington, Rami Malek and Jared Leto. So we'll get into the making of that movie, what it was like to direct three Oscar-winning actors, and then I also have to ask him about The Blind Side. And he's calling my cell phone now, so let's get into a conversation with John Lee Hancock. Hey, how's it going, John? I'm good. Doing good. Hey, big fan of all your work. Excited to get to talk to you. 
Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, I want to first talk about The Little Things, which is available now on Blu-ray and DVD. And you filmed this movie back in 2019. Obviously, at that time, you didn't know what the world was going to look like when the movie finally came out. But I myself, I watched it on HBO Max when it came out earlier this year. And now everybody's getting the chance to now watch it at home. How does that feel to you? Like, do you care if people experience what you'd worked on on the big screen or you just care that anybody watches it in any capacity? I think it's, I think it's both. I'm, I'm greedy that way. I would love people to have the opportunity to watch movies uh, in a theater. And I think, you know, there's a certain spectacle to that with, with certain movies. And I do little things, the big visual landscape to look at. That said, it's pretty great that uh, so many people have had access to the movie through streaming. So I'm not, I'm not completely agnostic about that at all, but I know that uh, I've had great experiences both in the theater and, and with streaming. For yourself personally, like what, if you're going to sit down and watch a movie, how do you want to take it? And do you want to go to the movie theater or do you want to sit down and watch it at home? It, I think it, for me personally, it depends on the movie. You know, if it's, if it's a movie I'm really excited to see, then yeah, I want to go to the theater. If it's if it's one that is kind of um, yes, you know, some people some people like this, and you go, well, I'll give it a try. Well, that's that's more of a home thing, and that doesn't mean that sometimes you don't turn it on and become completely engrossed in it. Um, but uh, you, know, you like having the options, at least I do, to, to do both. So when when you're filming the little things, like what's a typical day like for you as an actor? Like from when you wake up to when you get on set, how does that kind of go? It's a little different for every movie, but for the little things, we shot a lot of nights. So that means you're <clears throat> going to work at, you know, one in the afternoon so that you can then start shooting once it gets dark. And, you know, and sometimes staying there until until first light the next morning. Um, but just in general, whether it's days or nights, you're, you're there. I, you know, I wake up, I go through all my notes again. I've, I've done them the night before as well go through all my notes, um, look at my different shot list and ideas and things to look for and put that in my pocket and then go to work. And, you know, if, if the actors arrive, you have discussions with them about the day's work and they're prepared for it as well. And then you, you roll up your sleeves and start shooting. So what are those discussions like? Because you have, I mean, three Oscar-winning actors here you're working with. What do those discussions entail of, like, what you talk to them about before you get started in a day? I think different for every actor you work with. Everybody has a different process. And in, so in, in a certain way, every single actor is a method actor and that they have a method, you know, that leads to their excellence. And my job is to provide an atmosphere that allows them to do their best work. So, you know, one person might want to talk about specific details of wardrobe for a scene. Another actor might want to talk more philosophically about what the scene means. Another actor might just want to be reminded of where this scene that we're shooting falls and the linear structure of the of the plot. So everybody's different, and that doesn't mean they're going to be the same from day to day either. And so you're just you're just there to to help however you can and to kind of gently guide the story and the actors. When it comes to somebody like Denzel Washington, what, what do you? Is there any really like? Is there like a direction you give him or is he more of this like, okay, how do I get my scene here? I think the most important thing with a lot of actors, but with Denzel, is having lots and lots and lots of discussions in prep, which was a huge advantage for us on this movie because he would call all the time with really good questions about scenes. And so I 
set up an office next to mine and prep and said, just come in. And we would sit for hours and talk about everything. We talked specifically about the scenes, about lines of dialogue, what they meant. But we would also talk about Joe Deacon and what music he listened to, kind of how he dressed at home, what his relationship you know, with his, with his daughters is, all these different mm-hmm. things that aren't necessarily in the, in the story that are hinted at. And so when you, get, when you spend all that time talking um, ad nauseum about a scene, by the time you're there, I mean, he would go, he would go to drive and look at locations too. Oh, wow. Um, you know, just on his own, suss them out. So by the time we get there, we've talked about it so much that it's just kind of like, yeah, remember we, remember we talked about the house that was going to be over there? Well, there it is. And then, you know, when you've got somebody like Denzel, the last thing you want to do is try to hobble them in any way. I mean, it's the same with Jared and Romney. I mean, you don't want to hobble them and say, here's how it is in my head, do it this way. Because you know, nobody wants to do that, and you're not going to end up with the best product. You want to, you want them to bring to the table. They're the characters. They become quickly, they know more about the characters than you ever will, very quickly, even though I made up made up the characters. So you you want to give them a free reign to, to, to do something, something that is very exciting. I love that. That's great. You mentioned earlier about filming at night, which I kind of realized now thinking back on the movie, how it kind of had like this, like almost like a blue and red tone in certain in certain scenes. Was it always the idea to kind of film it at night to kind of give it that kind of more dramatic feel? Well, it was it was written, you know, with, it was written with lots of nights in it. I just wanted to show how difficult the job was um, and the toll it took. And this was uh, you know, set in 1990, and so it's pre-DNA, pre-cell phones. You know, every cop had to have a roll of quarters with him to, you know, to find and know where the cell phones were to make calls. Um, and you just had to sit and stake out cars, and there was no CCTV. Um, you know, cameras everywhere and that kind of stuff. So it was just making it difficult. And I think part of the difficulty is, and you stay up all night watching a house in case somebody, you know, a suspect walks out. Um, so it was as it was as written, but that was I just wanted to make it really really tough on these homicide cops. So when you finish the little things, what what is the runtime like at the very start of it before it gets cut down any further? What's like the original the runtime? Yeah. I mean, well, you've got I mean you do an assemblage, which is essentially your editor just putting all the scenes together in the order, and and that's usually you know very very long before. One, you trim into the scenes, and two, uh, you know, you start to remove scenes you don't need. Um, but gosh, what was the run? Uh, two hours and forty-five minutes, or something? Maybe you know, maybe three hours. But you know, it, it was that's the same for. I mean, the runtime for the rookie was three hours as well. I think. So it, it, it falls out pretty quickly. One of my favorite sports movies is The Blind Side. And I think because with that movie, it's almost not so much just a movie that's focused on sports, but it's the idea that you can come from nothing and go on to accomplish great things. I think that's why that movie kind of resonated so much with me. And when you're doing that movie, how do you kind of play the line of following along exactly what happened in real life and also just making something that's compelling to watch? Well, yeah, I mean, for you know, job one is, is entertainment, right? To make something compelling to watch or that's something that's moving. But I think before you take on a project, you look at it and say, how much of this is true, uh, you know, and, and how much of this is made up stuff that supports thematically what, what the movie's about. And, you know, I just don't take on a project if you go, half of this is hokum, um, because, you know, you, you want to be as truthful as possible. There are always going to be, you're always going to take, 
there may be three different events that happened over the course of nine months and you put them all in the same week. And to me, that, that doesn't bother me that within the realm of, you know, me saying this is a true story, but that's why everything says based on a true story, because, you know, it's, it's one, there are actors playing real people. So it's not real. (laughs) You know, Sandra Bullock, uh, you know, was not, uh, was not in, was not living in Memphis. So, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's, I think every, every, every different writer or director has their own, has their own line. They don't want to cross. And some of them have, some of them say, I don't, you know, I don't care. I make stuff up that's thematically in line with what we're doing. I work in country music. I work on a country music a morning show. And I know Tim McGraw as the country artist more so than uh-huh. I did, like, the actor. What is, what is the actor Tim McGraw like? I mean, Tim was a, Tim was a you know, big, big star. And um, he, he was doing some, had done some acting, was, and was quite good, I thought, um, but was interested in in playing the role and Billy Bob Thornton uh, put us together and then we started talking and I didn't want to, I didn't want it to be kind of stunt casting. I didn't want it to be, Oh, and they got Tim McGraw. To yeah. do this. Even though I thought, even though I thought he was great in Friday night lights, I thought this was kind of a different character. And he, this is great of him. He, um, he put himself on tape for the role and, and, and did two or three scenes from it with faith reading with him and uh, sent him to me. And I thought he was terrific. And that's, yes. So I said, great. My final question for you is with things kind of opening back up, we're getting back into the movie theaters. How do you think the overall movie going experience will change? Are we going to go to a place to where things become more available? Like, on like on streaming the day they are also released in theaters or is it kind of just going back to just full on theater releases? I, I think probably a combination of, of, of everything. I think one thing that, that probably will happen is at the bare minimum, the, the windows have already shrunk for some movies, you know, uh, and I understand if you've got a big blockbuster movie, it can sustain itself for, you know, 60 days or 90 days in a, in a theater and still continue to make money. Whereas, you know, other movies, adult dramas, things like that, pretty much, a you know, a 30 day window is all they can is all they can hold. So I think that, that, that kind of a, a window that is not one size fits all, but that fits to the movies and whatever relationship studios and, and the theaters have. But I think, you know, there will for some movies, there will there will be a streaming component and a theatrical component. I believe I think theaters will come back and come back strong. I think everybody's going to be wanting to go to the theater. I know I certainly can't wait to be able to be back in a theater. Um, but we'll see, we'll see if there's a delineation between, you know, blockbusters are for theater and adult dramas are for, you know, streaming services. I don't, I don't know. Do you think that changes anything of like how you're going to approach your next movie of like, okay, this could kind of go and be that in between. No, I mean, I, I mean, you know, when I made the highwaymen for Netflix, um, which was a great experience, I made it, you know, like it's going to be seen in the theater. You don't, you don't, you don't ever shoot it. So you go, oh, so somebody can watch it on their phone or watch it on, you know, their their monitor on their computer or something. You make it the same way um, to be seen in the theater. And you know, and and Netflix, to their credit, you know, put the home in in theaters for you know a couple of three weeks before it was streaming. So no, you do you do it you do it exactly. I mean, I do it exactly the same way. Well, appreciate the time, John. Everybody, go watch the little things. Get the Blu-ray. Watch it again on HBO Max. Do all the things. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Mike. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. 
I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Gonna get into a movie review now. Kelsey, you are back. You hung outside of the room when I did an interview, right? Yeah, I did. Okay. You think it went okay? I think I was taking my final when you did your interview. Oh. Do I sound like an idiot just saying, just hearing one half of an interview? I didn't hear you because, again, I was taking a final. Okay. You were focused on something <laughs> I was more trying more. to finish grad school there. <laughs> you did. And you did I it did. this week. I did. I finished. So proud of you. Thank you. It's amazing. You have it all. I have three letters after my name now. What are the letters again? MPH. Oh, so you have an MPH and also the unpaid intern on this podcast. I do. I have a lot of titles. So many titles. I got to go update my resume. Well, we're going to get into talking about without remorse. Um, I like Michael B. Jordan. Do you like him? I do. Do you find him attractive? I find him very attractive. Is that weird to say? No. After (laughs) watching this movie, I was like, I I think I find it. No, I got it before. But this one really solidified it. So before we get into that, here's just a little bit of the trailer. They took everything from me. My family. I got nothing left. Their plan is a series of strategic attacks. All over the world. We have to respond. I need to be on that team. 
Lieutenant Commander Greer, you lead the mission. So what this movie is about is Michael B. Jordan's character. He is a Navy SEAL, and he is avenging the murder of his wife, who is pregnant in the movie, and then kind of discovers this whole larger, bigger conspiracy that's going on. And it's not that I wasn't expecting to like this movie. I just liked it in a different way than I did, if that makes sense. Because it's pretty much a full-on action movie. You don't really have to know a whole lot about the backstory. You kind of get that all in the movie. But I think it's a very easy watch. And watching this movie in about 20 minutes in, I was like, this is a movie that your dad would love. Yeah, that was. we both looked at each other and we were like, my parents would love this. They would love this. And I think that's a movie, this is a movie that will, it's kind of an easy pleaser. You could put it on and like a big audience would like it. Like I think it'd be a perfect just wide release of like, oh, anybody could go in and watch this movie. And we're past Mother's Day now, but with Father's Day coming around, if you need a movie to watch with your dad, I think this is a really good one. Yeah, I don't think this would have screamed Mother's Day. No, not Mother's Day. Unless your mom finds Michael B. Jordan attractive, and then she might have wanted to watch that on Mother's Day. Maybe you did. But it's violent, but I think not more violent than any other war movie or action movie. Yeah, it wasn't like gratuitously violent. Yeah, it's not as bloody as some other recent movies. It's not as bloody as that What Did You Watch Last Week, the one with Bob Odenkirk. Nobody. Yeah, that's a lot more. That was literally just, I walked in the room and watched like the last 20 minutes and it was just like blood everywhere. Yeah, it's, the gunfire is all pretty much just basic, what you would see in an action movie. There's no like straight on headshots. You don't see a lot of blood or brains. So I think in that regard, would you let your brothers watch this? Yeah, they've watched worse. (laughs) How old are your brothers? (laughs) They're 11 and 15. Is that right? They've both had a birthday since the last time. That's why I was checking with you. (laughs) (laughs) 11 and 15. Yeah. So I think they could watch this movie. I mean, it's. I'm pretty sure my 11-year-old brother watched Jackass a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Because I asked you, I was like, what age did you start watching Jackass? I mean, I started watching Jackass in like third grade. (laughs) Okay. There we go. Maybe be, no, maybe later than that because it came out like ninety nine, two thousand. But yes, they could watch it. They watch all the Marvel movies. I feel like this one was it R. Yeah, it is rated R. Oh well, yeah, they probably still would have watched it. Yeah, there's no over the top cursing. There's no nudity. I think I, it's just like the violence, but there's really nothing in this movie you wouldn't see on like broadcast television these days. They play video games. Yeah. So what did you think overall about this movie? I thought it was good. I mean, I didn't. I don't even think I read the description of it going into it. I think it was just like, oh, Michael B. Jordan action movie. Wasn't the best movie I've ever seen, but it kept me entertained. Yeah. I don't think you're going to walk away from this movie and think like, man, I got to tell everybody to go watch this movie. But one, it's easily accessible. It's on Amazon. I thought they were going to charge like an extra fee to watch it. Nope. It's free to watch. I thought that was a win there. And then also I found like I didn't have to think a lot while watching this movie. And that's a little bit refreshing sometimes. And I will also say Jodie Turner Smith was great in it. Yeah. As like the, I would say she was the female lead. Yeah, she is. She was awesome in it. And overall, there's nothing that this movie's trying to do that it doesn't accomplish. I think it kind of knows what kind of movie it is. It's not going to try to be like a really deep movie. It's not really going for another level of like, here's Michael B. Jordan, the situation you feel for his character. You watch him go through these crazy things, which there was a lot of like cool action sequences. Like there's a scene again, spoiler free, where they go down in a plane and then they're underwater. And that whole kind of sequence is like, it was, that's probably hard to film. Yeah. That was really, that one, like they did such a good job that it made me feel claustrophobic. Yeah, I did. And that's when you know a movie's done a good job is when you feel like you're in that situation and they're not going to make it you also felt kind of uneasy at the start of this movie 
because you know what's coming. You know the whole premise coming. of the movie is that he is going after these guys who murdered his wife. Yeah, and, I did hide under the blanket. And for you, that. you refused to watch, which I never understood that. Like, even in scary movies, why do you hide? I don't know, because I don't want to see it. It might give me nightmares. Oh, but I told you it was safe to come out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just don't like watching stuff like that, like knowing what was coming. And they didn't really show it in the movie. But still. Okay. It's just like suspense things. I can't handle that. It just freaks me out. I don't like suspense. So suspense is not your thing. What about violence on this level? Like, that's what I was talking about last week and I reviewed nobody. Like, what's your level of violence? It's a good question. Is it gunshot to the head or is it just overuse of blood or is it just straight up horror violence? Like, where, where do you kind of draw the line of like, I'm out? Definitely no horror violence. I'm trying to think like... Zero Dark Thirty was almost a little too violent. So for that's me. like your line. That I would say Zero Dark Thirty is the line. Okay. Yeah, I would say this is below that. Yeah, there's just I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. There's just like certain things I can't watch. It's not even like blood. Like I love medical shows. I can watch ER. I can watch Grey's Anatomy. That doesn't bother me. It's just something about the level of violence in which the blood is brought about. I'll counter with the other thing you're really into, which I'm also into, is Doctor Pimple Popper, which. That's another level of, <laughs> but sometimes I can't watch. I'm kind of surprised you're into that, to be honest. Now I, I love watch that kind of stuff. The ones that have like a like too graphic to show. The, you don't like, watch thumbnail. those. I can't watch those. But just like a nice blackhead, yeah. So you like the more just like a the simple. lower scale. Dr. I also Pimple try to Popper. be Doctor Pimple Popper at home. You, you do. You get really mad at me. I run away from the, from you and you're Doctor Pimple Popper. <laughs> I like the one the sis. <laughs> those are my favorite. I've been into Dr. Pimple Popper for a while. I can't watch if it's like too, people are going to stop listening. If it's too like licky and that's all I'll say. <laughs> okay. What? This has been our tangent on pimple popping and cysts and <sighs> things that come out of the body. Back to the movie. <laughs> if you had to rate this movie, what would you rate it? 3.75 out of 5 passports. Oh, that's a pretty, that's a pretty solid score. I would give it 3.5 out of 5 Russians. I just added a 0.25 because Michael B. Jordan takes his shirt off a few times. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, he does look really good in this movie. There's this, the scene where he gets shot up and then he's in the hospital. I'm like, how did he stay so ripped after spending time in the hospital? Like, I have to work so hard just to maintain what I have. And he goes through being shot down and is able to still be ripped. Man, the movies. The movies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like it's... I also like that it's not a straight on war movie which i would i wouldn't been in the place to watch a straight on war movie it's more of like this little team of soldiers it's like a recon mission. like a recon mission there you go i think that's why i liked it so if you want to watch that movie hop over to amazon and check it out all right so i've kind of been talking about recently how i'm not excited for all the new marvel stuff coming out i'm like you know what at the end of endgame i was kind of good i wasn't really excited about all the things and as they kept delaying everything i was like i don't know that i even want to watch it when it comes out my excitement level for marvel has kind of gone down and that's coming from somebody who's seen every single marvel movie and has been all about it for so long but then last week they dropped that three minute trailer and the overall kind of message behind that trailer of them putting it out is like they're ready for people to come back together and watch marvel movies and after watching that trailer I'm a little more hype now. Hype again. <laughs> I think I'm hype again. I think it's just because you haven't been able to go see a movie. Yeah. And in I a think theater. that's what it reminded me of, because in that opening sequence of that trailer, they show 
the scene that came out that was out on the internet of all the people watching Endgame on opening night in the theater. You hear the roar when the big scene happens and the entire theater erupts. And their whole thing is like, we're ready to come back together again to experience movies, experience these characters. This is what it's all about. This is what Marvel's great at. And I kind of forgot that. It's been so long since I've had that feeling and experienced that and remembered what that was, that it's not only a movie you're watching on the couch, taking in the story and trying to take apart what you like from it. It's also a shared experience. And I think that's why I loved Marvel. And I kind of forgot about that. I think we all kind of have lost that feeling. On your left. trailer again i was like you know what i am ready to get back into a theater and watch a marvel movie and we're both fully vaxxed now i think we're ready to kind of enter back into society a little bit but i still think going to see an actual movie in theaters is still kind of down there on the list like for me i'm I'm still looking at what's available for you know on demand like that's why i watched nobody last week that's also why I haven't seen Four Good Days with Mila Kunis because it's only in theaters. That looks so good. I want to watch it, but I'm like, I'm not ready to go back for that. That's not the movie that's going to get me back into a theater yet. We also don't have a free weekend for like the next. That's two also months, too. So. We're pretty fast. <laughs> but anyway, they released the schedule. Now Black Widow comes out on July 9th, which I am excited for. If anything else in between would make me excited to go back to a theater, I think July 9th is the date. We have plans that weekend, too, so we won't be seeing that one. Okay, but maybe I'll sneak off and watch it. I'm just kidding. Dang it, Marvel, why'd you have to move it to July 9th? Anyway, that's coming out. Maybe I can see it early. On September 3rd, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings comes out. On November 5th, The Eternals comes out. December 17th, Spider-Man No Way From Home comes out. Oh, heck yeah. I am super excited about that one, and there's been a lot of theories going around on what's going on with that movie if they're bringing back toby mcguire if they're bringing back andrew garfield andrew garfield has said in an interview that he has not been contacted we need to rewatch the last one yeah we one should that was on theaters but here's what he had to say listen i can't speak for anything else apart from myself sure like like they might be doing something <laughs> but then ain't none like i ain't i ain't got a call does it sound like he's lying to you like i i don't think he is like i don't think I think something is going on there because there's been so much speculation, but I've kind of been tired of this speculation. Like, I just want them to announce it. I don't know how secretive they would be about this, which Marvel is because there's some stuff leaked online of like crew members wearing the shirt with like clues to who's in the movie. They've been saying that Tobey Maguire is going to be in it, but I don't really fall into the speculation. I just want to know when it's announced, if he's in it or not. He, it doesn't To me, it doesn't sound like he's really aware of it, but he could also be lying and throwing people off the trail. But I think that would be a... I, I just think if those three actors were all in one movie, that's what they be, would be using to promote it. Do you think they would hide that? I don't think they would hide that. I also don't know how they would do that, and I don't know if it'd be that great. Yeah. I just I just think they would be... That would be, like, the main thing. Like, here's Spider-Man. Here's coming back. We're doing this big thing, and that's what Marvel would be. I agree. So I am looking forward to that, whatever it is. The last one I thought was really good probably underrated i would say but excited for that one marvel uh spider-man just my favorite superhero who's yours Ooh, marvel anyway black widow really i didn't know that how did i not know that 
Why wouldn't it be a female? Followed by Spider-Man. There you go. <laughs> On uh, March 25th, now we're getting into 2022, we got Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I don't think I've seen any of the Doctor Strange. Really? Wasn't that on our list? Yeah. Oh, it is on the list. You need to watch those. Um, on May 6, 2022, is Thor Love and Thunder. I think that one will be really good. On July 8, 2022, they announced it's called Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So it's basically going to be now an homage to Black Panther as Chadwick Boseman, which I think will be good. I like that they gave it that title. I think that kind of... They were wondering on whether or not how to address his death and if they're just going to kind of move on from his character. But I think this movie will be pretty powerful. And then on November 11th, 2022, you have the Marvels, which is actually Captain Marvel 2, but they're calling it the Marvels because they are bringing in the character from WandaVision. Monica Rambeau from WandaVision is going to be in that movie. So they're calling it the Marvels. There's also a third character. It's I think that could be good. That could be great. February 17th, 2023 is Ant-Man and the Wasp. The third one. Watch the Ant-Man. You still have to watch those. I think those we are got time. Those are more funny than they are just straight on normal superhero movies. I think they're probably down there on the list for me, but I still enjoy those. Wow, 2023. That's so long. You know yeah. how I feel about movies coming out that far out. I could be dead by then. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then May 5th, 2023 <sighs> is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So that's a long time away, but I think all of these are set in stone now. Like this isn't going to move again. It better not move again. Otherwise, this segment won't make sense later. So for the sake of the credibility of this podcast, Marvel, do not move any more dates or I will go insane. You know how I feel about not seeing a Marvel movie in almost two years. I'm rolling my eyes because you're getting a little dramatic. You want me to throw this table? Not I'm throwing the table. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, that's Marvel news. All right, we'll finish this up with some movie news now. I saw a picture of Mark Wahlberg, who is getting ready for a new movie called Father Stew, and he has put on 20 pounds in three weeks. So he posted a picture of him all, like, ripped up, and then a picture of him kind of with, like, a gut now. I know I've had to do dumb things for work. How do you feel about this? I think it's stupid. Having to do crazy things for work? Yes. Are we talking about you or Mark Wahlberg? Both. What if I had to put on 20 pounds for work? In three weeks? That's just not healthy. Yeah, I mean, he's working with like a nutritionist to gain weight in a healthy manner, but that's a lot of weight to put on really quick. I think he's, I mean, the thing about Mark Wahlberg is he has such a crazy workout routine beforehand. It's true. That I feel like his body can take it on. But it's also, I mean, kind of a shock to your body if you go so long eating healthy, working out all the time, and then you go into this kind of mode. Yeah, because I feel like he had to like eat so much to gain 20 pounds because his metabolism is probably ridiculously high from working out. Yeah. The other thing I think about situations like this is whenever somebody wins an Oscar for some kind of body transformation, it's usually losing weight or putting on a lot of weight. But I know like Chris Hemsworth, who is super ripped up, he's like, I don't get taken seriously because I am like this, like because I'm so muscular. But I think that's a whole other thing too. Like to maintain the level of body it takes to be Thor. I think that's a thing within itself of like, yo, like that's an amazing accomplishment too. I know it's not a dramatic change of like dropping weight like Christian Bale would do, you know, one or the other way. But I think that's another thing, like even the rock maintaining what he is yeah, that's to, insane. to do those kind of movies. Like that's a great accomplishment, but you don't see them really getting recognized for that. So props to Mark Wahlberg, who I think is an underrated actor. Marky Mark. Marky Mark. But the most recent dumb thing I did for work, which if you don't know, I am a writer and producer on the Bobby Bone Show. I had to carry around a purse for a week. 
which you weren't a big fan of. Were yeah. you less a big fan of me having to carry around the purse when I had the idea of pepper spraying myself? Ugh, don't even get me started on the pepper spray. So it would be the pepper spray. That was the dumbest thing you've ever done. Yeah. I mean, the purse thing, it was more, I felt more embarrassed than I think you did. Yeah, I don't care if you carry a purse. Yeah. And I was just more annoyed of like having to remember it all the time. Yeah. It was kind of funny every morning when I was half asleep and like, don't forget your purse today. Yeah. That's a little weird. <laughs> Yeah, that was hard because I was like, I'm so used to just taking my normal things. Having to add on a purse is where I found the trouble. Like, I don't care what people think about me. Yeah, a guy wearing a purse, who cares? They're not going to see me or remember me the next time I go there. True. Now, the pepper spray was by far. Also because you came home and forgot that you probably shouldn't give me a kiss. Yeah. And then my lips burned for an hour. That was my bad. Yeah, that was your bad. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean... <laughs> I think that's a part of me having this type of job that you've kind of had to adapt to. And I commend you for it. Some, I, I mean, and I, a lot of the times I'm not even the ones having to do the dumb things. Other people on the show have to do much dumber things. I just sometimes come up with the ideas. Yeah, you come up with the dumb and things. And get looped into it. That one backfired on me because that started out as an idea I had. I was like, yeah, I'll submit it in. It probably won't be me. And it was. Yeah. And you were like, can I take one of your purses to work? And I was like, mm, probably not giving you my good purse. <laughs> So I carried around Abby's old purse for, which let me say this. Abby got way more. I feel like she got secondhand hate because everybody was dogging on the purse. I was like, it's Abby's purse. It's just a you purse. Know. It looked like a purse. Like who's going to just older. Yeah. Who's going to offer up a nice purse for somebody else to carry around for a week? Yeah. It's yeah, not going to look it would great. be like lunchbox getting it. And I was like, I'm for sure not getting <laughs> lunchbox my nice purse. But anyway, that'll wrap it up for movie news. And before I hop out of here every single week, I give a shout out to one of you guys listening Anybody who sends me a DM on Instagram, a message on Facebook, or tweets me at Mike Distro, or we have the email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. And this one actually comes to us from Twitter, from Brian Brown, who was talking about last week's episode about the best years in film. And he said, I really enjoy your podcast and agree there are a lot of good years in movies. I'm more of an 80s and a 90s movies guy and wanted to give you a look at a great year. Here are the top 10 highest grossing movies from 1984 and all are considered classics. And I looked at this year and I think it's a pretty solid list. You have Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Gremlins, The Karate Kid, Police Academy, Footloose, and then some other ones in the top 10 there. But I think that first top seven is a pretty strong case for 1984. So appreciate you, Brian, for listening and for tweeting and for everybody else who makes this a part of your week. That's a big deal to me, especially people who listen on Mondays. We love the Monday listeners, don't we? We do love the Monday listeners. The Monday crew. I don't have a name for you guys. I don't think you guys need a name. Just know you have a place in my heart. The movie Mondayers? The movie Mondayers. I'm just going off the dome here. Okay. The mon the mon I kind of like the Monday crew. Okay. Sure. It's your podcast. <laughs> sure, sure, whatever. We'll appreciate you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed the interview. Until next week, we will talk to you then. Later. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes. I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. 
every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old <laughs> Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.